Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Well, maybe you heard by now that Cardinal Fernandez has been caught in a very strange episode. He basically wrote some sort of eroticized, pseudo-mystical nonsense in the mid-90s. It was a book that's been out of print, and it's been recently discovered by some priests from Latin America. The news did drop yesterday. I was hoping to talk about it yesterday, but our family was afflicted with the stomach flu, so... Anyone who's got a bunch of small children who's been through that knows. Um, I think they shave some time off purgatory for going through that. Uh, I'm just kidding. But anyway, in any case, this book has been released. I personally was given a copy of it by some, by a, you know, someone in the know. And uh, we were told to wait until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And some people who had received the copies did not honor that, which is disappointing. In any case, the news did drop yesterday around noon, Buenos Aires time, which is about 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And Cardinal Fernandez, you know him, Smoochie Fernandez, made a cardinal by Pope Francis, head of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. He's in charge of doctrine for the church. Well, it turns out, well, I don't know how else to put it, but he's a massive pervert. And his book, I'm not even going to read specifically from the book on air, just because I think that that is a cause for scandal. I can't believe the thing even was put to print at some point by some sort of Catholic publisher. I don't know how that even happened. It's from the 90s. It's been out of print, as I said. And these priests in Latin America spent months tracking down the thing. And then they even had it translated into English, maybe some other languages too. I have both the Spanish and the English copies of the book. And it is uh, paragraphs seven or chapters seven, eight, and nine, which are out of this world, disgusting. And I can't even believe this man is ordained a priest. It's so bad. We're going to break down exactly what that means in a minute and why I think um, while there's an occult element to this uh, and it just shows the depth of the occult in the hierarchy of the church, um, the fact that this man has been ascended to his position and Pope Francis really should resign. Um, he should be anathematized by his uh, successors. And I don't know if you can declare him an anti-pope because that has more to do with elections. I'm not getting into the... Benedict was still Pope thesis. Um, anyway, it's pretty bad. And uh, if there is any integrity left in Rome by anyone at all, there should be some sort of uh, justice for this. Smoochie Fernandez should be put in a rubber room for insane perverts because this is just absolutely absurd. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first, I'd like to show you something that is the complete opposite of this insanity coming out of Rome. I'm talking about the Canadian Martyrs Men's Conference. You can see here on the screen, or if you're listening on the audio-only format, you can click the link for this in the description. The second annual Canadian Martyrs Men's Conference with keynote speaker Father Micharion is taking place on February 17th in Stratford, Ontario, Canada. We're selling out. Um, things are filling up, and there's only about a month, month, uh, about five weeks left, so you got to get your tickets if you're coming. Um, all the information you need is there. All you need to know is it's the only traditional Catholic men's conference in North America. I, I mean that, the only traditional Catholic men's conference. Um, there are men's conferences, but none of them are specifically traditional Catholic. Myself, Tim Flanders will be speaking, Father Stannis as well. The night before has a social. Uh, you can sign up for that when you buy your ticket. And uh, it's going to be great. Full day of speakers. Everyone gets a cigar. It's just lots of food, wonderful time with friends and so on and so forth. Wonderful, amazing event. So I hope that you come. Last year was a blast. This year is going to be bigger and better. Again, click the link in the description to this video or podcast if you're listening on one of the audio platforms. And thank you for your support. Okay, so let's just recap what happened. So Cardinal Fernandez wrote a book. It was a 
It's supposed to be called something like a mystical thing. We're just going to bring up the actual title of it here. So you can see I've got it on the screen here. This is the article from Rorate Celli, and they have a selection. It's called La Pasión Mística y Espiritualidad y Sensualidad by Victor Manuel Fernández. Mysticism, Sex, and Justification for Sin. This is the title of the article. A Rediscovered 1998 Publication by Victor Manuel Fernández. And um, it's explicit material, and I'm not going to read most of it uh, because I just don't want to uh, go into the, the nitty-gritty details because they're disgusting. But the background is, is that in 1998, Victor Manuel Fernández published a book entitled La Pasión Mística, Espiritualidad y Sensualidad, uh, which is an English mystical passion, spirituality, and sensuality. Like the related book, Heal Me With Your Mouth, The Art of Kissing, this book of blasphemous, nearly pornographic interpretations of the mystics and their spiritual experiences of ecstasy seem to have disappeared, to have been forgotten and unmentioned until now, when people who have the good of the, ch uh, of the church at heart discovered the text and now make it available in its entirety PDF. You can click the links here, blah, 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 blah. So in chapter six, Fernandez uh, dared to add a testimony of a 16-year-old girl who revealed to him her erotic, mystical experience with Jesus. I'm not going to read that there uh, because it's absurd. Um, I'm just kind of going over the basics here, but let's just break this down for a second here. So Cardinal Fernandez is a priest. Cardinal Fernandez is a priest of the Catholic Church. And he's revealing... What a 16-year-old girl, let's repeat that, minor, he's revealing what a 16-year-old girl told him about what she believed to be have been an erotic experience with Jesus Christ. I don't even, I can't even explain how, I don't even want to say those words, but this is a priest of Jesus Christ who wrote a book, and in the book, one of the things that he said was relating a spiritual sexual experience, supposedly, between this young lady and the second person of the Holy Trinity. This is insane. Now, I know. The defenders of this, what are they going to do? They're going to point to two things. They're going to point to the theology of the body. We'll get to why in a second. And they're going to point to some of the mystics and the books, the book in the Bible, the Canticle of Canticles, the Song of Songs. I believe it's also called Song of Solomon, but in my Dewey Reams, it's Canticle of Canticles. In any case, and they're going to say, look, there's some sort of conjugal inspired, mystical, whatever, whatever here. Yeah, there is. There is in the Canticle of Canticles, but it's veiled in mystery. It's clearly figurative and it's not explicit. Also, it's authored by the Holy Trinity. And it's not about minors sharing their information with a grown man who's a priest who then publishes that. Let's just break this down for a second. How disgusting, how out of your mind sick you have to be to have done what Cardinal Fernandez has done. I mean that. This man should be in a rubber room. He should be monitored. Do not allow any children around this man. A 16-year-old girl told him of a explicit sexual experience where she alleges it took place 
with the second person of the Holy Trinity. Do I need to explain how insane that is? If you're someone who's defending this, then you yourself, if you know anyone who's defending this, do not allow your children to be around that person. I'm serious. Anyone who can defend... Now listen, let's get into the occult part here as well. It is perfectly possible that what this young lady told Cardinal Fernandez, Father Fernandez at the time, it's totally possible that she did have what she believed to be this sort of experience because this does happen when people dabble in the occult. This does happen as part of demonic encounters. This has been known in the church for centuries and millennia. It's called incubus and succubus. It's basically this sexual experience with a demon who, whatever, I don't want to give too many details. You can find this. Exorcists talk about it. It's been going on forever. Also in the occult, there is always this veil of psychosexual mysticism that is used by the perverts to justify their behavior. It always happens. So Cardinal Fernandez, if he's a priest of Jesus Christ, which he is, if a 16-year-old girl is explaining this to him, for one, I really hope he wasn't around her on, her on his own because that's extremely disordered to have that conversation like that. Secondly, if it's in the confessional, I mean, I guess you can tell stories about the confessional in an anonymous way, I guess, but that's pretty dicey still. It should be very rare. We shouldn't be publishing it in a book for this reason. But did he do an investigation to find out if this girl was psychologically disturbed? Did he do any, you know, priestly deliverance prayers? Did he, did he encourage her to have an exorcism? Or did he just take her word for it? Well, it seems like he took her word for it, and it seems like he's promoting this. This, my friends, is textbook demonism. This, my friends, is textbook occult experience. Look into all of the ritual abusers that you find both within the church and also from other non-Catholic sects, cults. You look into the various gurus. There was that fella, I don't know his name, uh, Bikram Yoga. Maybe his name is Bikram. I don't know. <laughs> Bikram Yoga. It's like that type of yoga. It's this big thing. I don't know. Whatever. Um, there was a scandal. I mean, he was leading this movement of yoga, blah, blah, blah. It's like spiritual and all this kind of stuff. You know how yoga is. And, you know, he was basically grooming these young women the whole time just because, like, how do you not? I mean, it's like, you know, they're all naked and they're all stretching and whatever. It's yoga. So it's, it's, it's a bad place to be in the first place. And, um, but the point is, is that that was, you know, he was, he was just using this mysticism, this spirituality to lure these women into his bedroom. It was an orgiastic cult, basically. This is super common. You find this in all these Eastern, Eastern cults. You find it in the various satanic, satanic, Satan church, whatever, church of Satan type things. You always find this perversion there. You look into Aleister Crowley. There's always a, a, some sort of veiled sexual mysticism. You find this all the time, all the time. It's everywhere. Always, always, the perverts will use this to lure victims. Sadly, it's happened with some well-known Catholic figures. We all know of Father Mark, R Marco Rupnik, Rapnik, who Pope Francis hasn't really dealt with properly, to put it mildly. His artwork is at the Shrine of Fatima in Portugal. Very sad, needs to be taken down and putting new stuff up, please. Um, he basically established an order of nuns for his weird perversion cult nonsense. Um... You also have uh, Jean Vanier, Canadian, sadly. 
and uh, he had that home for the um, the uh, handicapped, you know, the mentally handicapped, physically handicapped uh, peoples to take care of them. L'Arche, it's called. And um, you know, I remember I was at a, in Ontario, when I was teaching for the Ontario Catholic school system, I was at like a big conference and he gave an address to us. You know, I was like, oh, Jean Vanier, he's the best Catholic ever, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it turned out he was a pervert. Um, and he was using, and if you read Jean Vanier's works, he had a lot of writings and they're very sensual, very weird. But people would just say, oh, he's a mystic and blah, 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 blah. There was that person that, um, Oprah, she, John of God or something like that. He was some, some weird guru, pseudo Catholic Christian thingy from Brazil. And, uh, Oprah was all into him. It turned out he was running basically a big sex cult. This stuff happens everywhere. This stuff happens everywhere. And it's always veiled in this stuff. That's warning sign number one. The idea that there is any sort of interaction between this priest and a 16-year-old girl relaying this explicit sexual experience that is clearly demonic. Please stop comparing it. First of all, people that are comparing it to the mystics. Okay. The way that it's... And I'm not reading this on air because it's disgusting. The way that the mystics will talk about this sort of matrimonial relationship with God... It's very different. It's very different in quality. It's qualitatively very different. Also, they're not 16-year-olds. And it's not a grown man relaying this experience. This is completely different. Like if you wrote what Father Fernandez wrote, Cardinal Fernandez, if you wrote what he wrote about a 16-year-old and published that in Canada, the United States, in 2020, I guess we're in 2024, in 2024, they'd be looking, they'd be, they'd be getting a, a warrant to search your computer for, for, for child pornography. Because they'd say you must have it because you're clearly a pervert. That's the man in charge of doctrine for the Catholic Church. Anathema. Anathema. I don't know how to explain by that. The next chapter, we're just going to look. Again, I'm not going to read because it's, it's disgusting, but just the title. Chapter 7 is about male and female orgasm. Please no children around, by the way. So, again, it's too disgusting to read. But this is what this is the next thing, and I told you they're going to use theology of the body. This chapter is going to the people who are into theology of the body and want to defend this, they're going to use theology of the body by John Paul II to defend this. Here's why. Now, I am going to defend John Paul II here for a second. You know me; I'm a traditional Catholic. I think his papacy was pretty bad in many ways. Many people are waking up to that. He himself had a sordid history of dealing with sexual abuse, sadly. Call to mind Marcel Maciel and various things that have been found out later on. You can read about it at Crisis Magazine. Uh, Eric Sammons wrote an article. Nonetheless, the problem with theology of the body is not that it's explicitly erotic. Actually, that's not the problem at all. I looked into it. It's really, it's kind of boring. The problem with it is that it has a humanist, personalist, modernist conception of man. So theology of the body, in my opinion, is hot garbage but not because of what is said explicitly in it about this nature, about this nature of content. Um, but it's because, you know, at one point, I was reading this yesterday in one of his lectures, it was like 139 papal audiences he gave. And in fairness to John Paul II, he gave them privately because he said, you know, this is, you know, basically he said, this shouldn't be disseminated to the world at large, unadulterated because people could take this and run with it in the wrong way. And he was right. And, and, and God bless him for it. In fairness, I'm defending him here. It wasn't this weird erotic nonsense that we see here, but there was this aspect, sorry, I should say the problem with it is that, you know, he says man finds his dignity in his body. That's actually not true. 
That's not true. Man has no dignity a part of his baptism in the sense of what true Christian dignity has always, always meant. We have bodily integrity, but we don't have a dignity of person because we don't have the dignity of person until we're baptized in the traditional sense. That's the main problem with John Paul II's thing is it's really just, it's humanist nonsense. However, many of his musings about the nature of men and women, their marriage and the spiritual life, they're actually kind of accurate. And there's nothing wrong with that motif in, in, in fairness. But there is a stream in the theology of the body stuff that's come out with folks like Christopher West over the years where they do take it, I think, further than John Paul II would have wanted. And they get way too explicit. You know, historically, um, historically, you know, if you talk to a traditional priest who's got a real pre-Vatican II formation, you never talk about these things in an explicit way ever publicly, ever, never. At most, you might find that priests, you know, perhaps with their parish, they might say, okay, we're going to do a session with like the, the grownups and we'll lay out some principles. But even there, I've never seen that. I'm just, I'm just trying to extend the furthest liberty possible liberality to it. You will never find an explicit conversation about the ins and outs of the sexual embrace by a married couple publicly. Why? For one, a priest has no business speaking like that publicly because it's unbefitting of the priesthood because it's disgusting. He's a celibate man. Secondly, um, it's attempt, it's, it is a trigger and a temptation for lust for those who would hear it. So, you know, sometimes you see these podcasters, they'll talk about like, what's, what's appropriate between men and women in marriage? You can't do that. It's wrong. You can't talk about that publicly. It's wrong. The reason is, is because there are people who are listening to you who are single, who struggle with lust and so on and so forth. And again, people have free will and they're going to be, their sins are their own, but we can be an accessory to sin, even if the other person's guilty for their own personal sin. And they're going to hear this stuff. They're going to be triggered. It's why, for example, my book, Terror of Demons, which is available, by the way, in the description of this video, in my book, Terror of Demons, I actually don't use the word, and I hate this word, but I don't use the word pornography in it. Why? Because it's like a sanitized clinical word. It's not offensive to people. I use the word evil images because that's what it is. Also, I don't want to trigger people who are reading it to be triggered to that problem that they have. So if they hear evil images, it's not the same sort of psychological trick. Does that make sense? So, so priests who are well-trained will never speak about this stuff in this way publicly because it is, it is completely, it's, there's no decorum to it. It's wrong. It's unvirtuous. It's vicious, which is what vice is. Vicious. It's sinful. So the fact that he even wrote this just shows his formation is beyond absurd. So in this paragraph uh, where it talks about the, the, the climax between husband and wife, again, why are we even talking about this? Because this pervert who's in charge of doctrine for the Catholic Church has re published this book that's insane. Anyway, the reason they're going to use the theology of the body to defend this is because John Paul II does, and again, I'm defending theology of the body against the caricatures of it. I don't think it's good because it's got humanist, personalist, uh, nonsense in it as far as its philosophical trajectory. Nonetheless, I'm going to defend it against those who are going to say that what Cardinal Fernandez did is just like what John Paul II did, because that's not the case. John Paul II had much more tact and decorum when he did it, in fairness. So, um, but John Paul II was right that there is in the, you know, God is creator. He is the, 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 the male, the masculine who gives to the sort of feminine receptivity of his creation 
and then there's a co-creation that takes place. There's a there's a there's a mystical route. That's true. That's true. And that can be found in husband and wife for sure. You find this, you know, analogies from the mystics and saints and things like that about you know sort of the bees and the flowers. You know, like there's this birds and the bees. You know, there's a reality that that's built. There's nothing wrong with that, but you always keep it veiled in this mysticism as not to be explicit, as not to be crude. Fernandez does nothing like that. He literally goes into the ins and outs of the marital embrace, which is insane. He goes into the ins and outs of the marital embrace uh, in chapter seven explicitly. Um, in chapter eight, he talks about, well, the chapter is called The Road to Orgasm. What is going on here? What is what is going on here? <laughs> like, what is happening? That uh, Chapter nine, just read this here. God in the couples, fill in the blank. Okay, major problems here. For one, why would a priest know so much about this? I mean that. Here's the thing. When you enter the priesthood traditionally, you have to prove, of course you could lie and whatever, but you have to prove that you have been celibate in all ways, both, you know, any sin of lust, any sin of the flesh. Obviously, men could be tempted interiorly, but any acting out of impurity, you have to be free from that for three years before you're even allowed to enter a traditional seminary because you need to demonstrate that you have the gift of celibacy. This is for the Roman rite, of course. You can be married in the Byzantines, but in any case, um, so the only way a priest is going to know all these ins and outs is from former life. Okay, fine. St. Augustine, he had a concubine and so forth, but they didn't go on to then talk about it. <laughs> like I just read confessions. I've read it about four times at this point. I just read through it again. And he doesn't give explicit details of this stuff. It's more about the sin, whatever. He doesn't give, it's not crazy details about what was going on with his concubine. That's absurd. Um, and he's horrified by that. He doesn't want to talk about it because he feels so bad for what he did. So it's going to be from a former life. So what are you doing talking about it? Let's just say Cardinal Fernandez had three years of, 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 of purity before the seminary, which I don't think they make them do anymore in most seminaries. Let's just say he did. Watch, I know they don't in most seminaries. Many seminaries have problems with sexual impropriety of both the hetero and homosexual nature, and they still ordain those men to the priesthood. It's happening in the seminary in my diocese today. Not today as an ordination, but it happens presently. Um, so it's either going to be stuff from a former life. Okay, well, you clearly didn't leave that life behind if you're ta- writing books about it. That's pretty insane. And the details he uses, like explicit anatomical details. Why does he know this? Why is he talking about this? Why does he have an intimate understanding of this information? Is he studying this while he's a priest? Was he writing down notes from when he was a fornicator before he entered the seminary? Does he have like a diary of all these things? Just the layers upon layers of disgusting perversion that surround this man's psychology. They are off the charts. It's like, it's like reading something from Kinsey, you know, that wacko psychologist who is responsible for a lot of the sexual revolution we have under the guise of medicine. Now, another problem too is 
I mean, how is this man able, how is this man as a priest able to have this explicit information? Is he just like having conversations with married couples and just like taking notes? What kind of conversations are those? More likely, is he consuming inordinate amounts of pornography? I mean, I don't know how you get to this point where you're able to not only have this information as a priest, cogitate, meditate, formula. I've written three books. I'm writing my fourth book. By the time you get to writing a book, you, if you're the kind of person who makes a massive outline, you've put down all, I don't do that. I'm, I'm like a, they call them a, a pantser. We, I write by the seat of my pants. I have the book in my head. I think about it for months and months and months. I read a ton of stuff and then boom, I just sit down. And it just kind of comes out in a month or two because it just, it's like, it's like exhaling. That's how some people write. But a lot of people write in a more formulaic way where they do outlines and all this kind of stuff. Okay. So is he, I mean, he's, so he's either doing massive outlines and research and putting together this and has like a plan. What is he researching for that plan as a priest? Or he's consuming inordinate amounts of this stuff because he's a seat of his pants kind of writer and he just exhales what's bubbling up inside his soul. Why is any of this bubbling up inside his soul? This is disgusting. There's no way. To, I'm, the reason I'm going through this ad nauseum here is because there's simply no possible way to defend this. This cannot be defended. For those of you who are defending this, you are defending someone who, I mean, there's no evidence of him being a sexual predator. I can't say that. Did you ever see that film, The Zodiac? It's a Zodiac killer. It's a good movie. I don't know if it's actually, I, I can't recommend it. I saw it a long time ago. The story is very fascinating. So don't, don't, don't go watch it. And then there was like blasphemy or nudity in it. I actually don't remember. It was like 15 years ago I saw it. But I remember the story was very fascinating. And this one guy basically wants to find this serial killer. Anyway, at a certain point, he's certain he's found the serial killer. He's certain he's found him. Because he, all, of the, all of the things match up, the psychology, the diaries, all this kind of stuff. But they just can't nab the guy. It's like they know, but they can't know. This is kind of what it's like with, with, with Cardinal Fernandez. You find the first book, Heal Me With Your Mouth, which is really weird. Then you find this one, which is basically like one of those weird erotic books you get at the airport. It's like Fifty Shades of Grey. Not that I've ever read them. I just know of them. Relax. Um, it's like one of those weird... And so he's, he's writing basically erotic novels. He's writing about encounters with supposedly Jesus Christ and a 16-year-old girl. I can't even believe I'm saying that. It's absurd. This is like the Zodiac Killer where it's like, goodness gracious, like I bet my mortgage that there's more going on here. How could there not be? This is like, you know, this is called... Um, Duper's Delight. We've ever seen this. Basically, folks who are behind conspiracies and or serial murderers or whatever, uh, or sodomites like my, like like the thing that just happened at Church Milton, they they basically want to get caught. They basically want to get caught. The whole mechanism of everything that they do. It's almost like too good to be true. It's like in your face. 
and then eventually they get caught and you go, my goodness, they wanted to get caught the whole time. This is what this is like. Again, it's not like somebody found his diary. It's a book. He wrote a book. And it was published. And also, let's just add another layer here. Pope Francis knew about this man. They're both from Argentina. He knows him intimately. Pope Francis picked this man to be the head of doctrine for the church and made him a cardinal. Do you think Pope Francis did not know about this? I have more respect for Pope Francis than the Pope's planners because I don't think Pope Francis is an idiot. I actually think Pope Francis is smart enough to know about the people he's hiring. The guy who runs the McDonald's down the road knows how to do a resume check, check the references. I'm pretty sure Pope Francis has that capacity. He knew this man from Argentina, knew him well. There's no possible way that it was not known that this man wrote this book, these books. Are there more? There might be more. Clearly, this book was, they tried to hide this book because it's clearly insane. There's obviously been some sort of cover-up. And Pope Francis hired this man. The Pope of the Catholic Church, the Vicar of Christ, a title he's rejected, knowingly hired a man who he obviously knew about Cardinal Fernandez's shenanigans. Obviously. Again, I don't think Pope Francis, I don't think Pope Francis is stupid the way that the Pope Splainers think Pope Francis is stupid. I... I give him enough benefit of the doubt that I think he knows how to walk and chew gum and hire people and know about them. For more information on how Pope Francis was, you can look into Henry Sire, Henry Sear. He wrote a recent article. It was a speech. It's been transcribed, 1 Peter 5. He did massive research in Argentina to what Pope Francis was like as a, as a bishop. It's insane. Obviously, Pope Francis knew what was going on here. Obviously. Just like it was known what was happening with Marcel Maciel under JP2. Just like it was known what was happening with Father Rupnik Rapnik under Pope Francis. Obviously, everyone knows. Just like it was known what was happening with McCarrick. Everyone knows. Who's in the know knows. And, and it's not as if... Okay, it'd be one thing if Pope Francis finds out and sends him off into exile. That happens. It happens. Okay, fine. It's quite another thing to make the man the head of doctrine and then push forth your gay blessings. Are you surprised that the man who wants to push forth an abomination in the church has a history of writing basically what amounts to erotica about minors? This man should be on trial. There should be an investigation into him if he was in a first world country with a legal system that protected minors. I don't know if there's any more, anything more I could say about it. I'll just end with this. You know, one day when, one day when this is all finished, one day, God willing, there's in our lifetime, I'm 35, almost 36. Man, I'm on the other side of 35. I'm going to probably have arthritis soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, one day when all is said and done hopefully we'll have a good Pope within our lifetime 
Pope Francis, he's got to be like, it's got to, they got to give him the Pope Honorius treatment. He's got to be anathematized in perpetuity. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Cardinal Fernandez should be removed. Anyway, that's all I got. Check out the Canadian Martyrs Men's Conference. Link for that in the description of this video. Let me know what you think in the comments. This has been the Kennedy Report. Until next time, God bless.